Well, hello, and welcome to the Fisher Poetry Podcast, a showcase of prose, poetry, and song written and performed by those in the commercial fishing community. Mostly. I'm your host, Brad. Thanks for joining us today. Today's episode is from the 2023 Fisher Poetry Gathering in Astoria, Oregon. You'll be hearing from Fisher poet John Branshaw of Westport, Washington, with an introduction by MC Joel Miller. This set was recorded at the 1015 Theater on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. So, without further ado, here's the show. So we are missing an individual for this next set. Uh, was taken either by weather or Delta Airlines, I'm not sure. Um, so we're going to go to the second person. I'm going to introduce John Branshaw, everybody. Uh, commercial fished the waters from Oregon to Alaska for 42 years. He's retired from fishing. Now living in Westport, Washington, drives truck for Ocean Gold Seafood, feeding America one fish stick at a time. Big welcome for the Dean of Dungy, the Gabtooth Crabber, John Branshaw. Boy, that's bright lights there, but I can handle this. Um, thanks for all coming here this weekend, folks. Uh, us Fisher Poets, <clears throat> all of us, we, we appreciate it. We appreciate the support. Um, during the pandemic, uh, we went virtual. And uh, I didn't sit on my hands, so I, uh, I still wanted to perform. So I, I contacted the uh, organizers of the Durango Cowboy Poets Association. They have a a poet fest in Durango, Colorado for cowboys. And when I say organizers, I called my cousin. She's the director of their association. <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, Linda, I'd really like to come to Durango and, uh, and perform. She goes, well, Johnny, <clears throat> it's cowboy poetry. Uh, we celebrate our Western culture and heritage. And I explained to her, we got a guy named uh, Ron McDaniel that comes to Astoria every year, and uh, he's a cowboy, and everybody seems to enjoy him. I think we should have a cultural exchange. <laughs> so she relented, and she says, I tell you what, you're not going to be a featured reader, uh, but we'll put you on the open mic, and you can do a couple poems. So I went there, and I, I did some poetry out, outside in a courtyard on a Saturday afternoon. It was beautiful, fall colors, uh, had a decent crowd, and I got a chance to do about four or five poems, and uh, they seemed to like me. And my, my cousin came up to me afterwards, and she said, you know, that was pretty good. I tell you what, you can come back next year, but I want you to write a cowboy-inspired poem. So I did. This poem is called Back to Durango. I came back to Durango, and this time I brought my net. But all I see is mountains and snow. There is no place to set. You know, I spent my life on the ocean, breathing that ocean air. But up here in your mountains, there is no air to spare. So I ran into some cowboys. They were playing cards, 
Surely they would show me where to sit. They said, sit down, son. Relax and place a bet. You know, I didn't win much that night. I couldn't get a decent hand. But I listened to their stories and I learned about their land. Our, our lives were a lot alike, we all agreed. Cowboys, they live off the land. Myself, I farm the sea. You know, it's a life that brings us happiness of days well spent. When we lay down at night, we are content. You know, those cowboys, they're not Yellowstone. Me, I'm not the deadliest catch. What Ron and I, when we're on stage, we're the real thing. That's what you get. You know, I'll probably go back to Durango. I don't think I'll bring my net. This time I'll find those cowboys and play some cards, and maybe this time I'll win that bet. That's back to Durango. I'm, uh, I'm dusting off a couple of poems I wrote years ago, and uh, you know, I had to memorize back then, but memory fails me, so I'm gonna have to read these. Um, I commercial fished for 42 years, and uh, I ran my father's boat. I ran some different boats. I crewed on decks. You know something? I crewed with so many deckhands, I forgot the names of half of them. But anyway, this one kid, he made an impression on me. He, he came down to my, uh, my crab boat in Westport there, the Caronel. It was a little day boat, a little 36-footer. We had a 300-pot limit. We just fished Grace Harbor area and out in front. And this kid named Willie Beppu showed up on my boat one day, and I, I hadn't hired a crew. And uh, he asked me for a job, and well, I wrote a poem about it. It's called, Willie Was a Greenhorn. Willie was a greenhorn. You know, he pounded the docks. You know, he wore out a pair of extra tests before he got his first job. You know, he stopped by my boat, and what did I see? It was a greenhorn, greener than green. He was grinning back at me. I said, you look kind of skinny. Can you lift a crab pot? He said, show me one that looks like Skipper and I'll, I'll give her what I got. You know, called a hunch. Maybe it was just a gut feeling. But I gave Willie a job. I thought I'd try him out for the season. The very first day of fishing, we went out on the flood. He took a buoy stick to the face. He was covered in blood. Well, we patched him up, we kept on fishing. Willie was tough, there was no bitching. Yo, know, Willie worked hard all that year, and he finished the season. I think he's coming back next year for all the right reasons. That's Willie was a greenhorn. Now, all my stories are true. I think you know that. I might embellish a few things, but pretty much they all are. But this is kind of an interesting poem I wrote a few years back. Uh, it's about the, the toilet on a boat, which we call a head. It's called Heads Up. You know, I've sat on a throne. I've sat on a five-gallon pail. Every boat, every head on a boat, 
has a story to tell. You know, a working head, it's a necessary function. With improper handling, you can reach critical junction. You know, clogged pipes, they'll make an overflowing mess, and it'll surely put your stomach to the test. You're using too much toilet paper, I preach to the crew. One square will work. Four squares, I feel, will surely do. <laughs> you know, I crewed on the max. That head had a stuck flapper. Oh, when that boat took a roll, you'd pity the guy on the crapper. <laughs> you know, we had a name for that head. Yep, we named it after the skipper. We called it Swen's Revenge because of that blowing shitter. <laughs> Alas, one more story about a crapper was heading south a few years ago when we had that disaster. The kid had done an engine room check and he woke me from a dead sleep. He says a pipe has come unloose in the engine room and the poo, it's beginning to seep. Well, we pushed her in place and we wired her up. Both of us were about to throw up. But the line was unplugged. And the bowl, it overflowed. So I grabbed the deck hose and I, I gave her a blow. It made a mess. But the line was unplugged. South of Vancouver Island, the Alma Jane chugged. <laughs> Like I said, all my stories are true. And this next one is kind of interesting. It's about an old tender from Cordova, Alaska. And it was called the Salmo Point. And this is the story of its last voyage. It's called The Last Voyage of the Salmo Point. The Last Voyage of the Salmo Point. Now that is a story to tell. I was one of the last ones to see that boat. I remember it well. She was sitting behind Wingham, swinging on the hook. What was under her hatches that night, I would have liked to take a look. You know that old boat, she'd packed a lot in her day. Herring, crab, just about every bay. You know, I don't know why that night, but they pulled the hook. I guess they were gonna go around the Cape there and, uh, and take a look. Oh, a terrible gale, it was, it was blowing that night. Waves crashed over their decks. It was a terrible fright. Well, what happens next? Nobody really knows. But the boat, it was sinking quickly, as the story goes. Well, a mayday was called and the raft was tossed. And the Salmo, it slid into the seas, a total loss. The crew, they drifted for a while, and then the Coast Guard picked them up. Soon they were on the beach, and they were drinking a hot cup. You know, a few years went by, and the sinking was mostly forgotten. But the Salmo's load was breaking up. Yep, it was floating up from the bottom. Yep, the Salmo's load, it was washing ashore, and Nobody really knew about it. Tell a guy out deer hunting, 
he stumbled upon it. Well, he was a law-abiding citizen, so he brought his fine to the cops in town. Soon the rumors hit the streets. That was killer weed that he had found. There was only a few days left of the deer hunting season, but the harbor was soon empty. That must have been the reason. You know, not too many bucks were shot those next few days. Most guys just sat in the wheelhouse in a blue smoky haze. But the, for the next few weeks, the beach coming was hot. People were stumbling around the beaches and they were looking for that killer pot. And then the feds, they got wind of things and they put the beach coming to a stop. Yep, they flew the beaches with those Black Hawk, Black Hawk helicopters and they, they scooped up all that pot. Well, the beaches were soon clean and the town, it lived another day. And a guy sat at the end of the bar at the Alaskan and smiled and said to himself, I won't piss this spill away. That's last voyage. Okay, let me find this one here. Just give me a second. Oh, there it is. Um, this poem I just wrote a few months ago. And uh, I try to make fun of it, but it's pretty damn serious. Um, and at the end, I'll give you a little public service announcement and try to tie it all in. It's called, He Escaped in His Underwear and Extra Tufts. It was a dark, stormy night at the Westport Marina. I was at the Harbor Resort with my sweet senorita. And in that warm bed, she lay asleep in my arms. Through the fog of my dream, I heard an alarm. You know, I couldn't get that ringing out of my head. So I jumped up, I rolled out of bed. Once I stood up, it was perfectly clear. I smelled smoke and I felt fear. Yes, the harbor resort was on fire. That old building was done. I grabbed my phone. I dialed 911. I awoke my lady and she dressed in a rush. As the smoke filled the room, we both ran out, me in my underwear, and extra toughs. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> what happened while we're sleeping at three o'clock in the morning, the building caught fire. And the beeping of the alarm was the smoke detector. The smoke detector saved my life. Because I hadn't heard that, I wouldn't be up here telling stories tonight. So I beg all of you, when you go home after this weekend and having a good time, check the batteries in your smoke detectors. And if your smoke detectors are expired and need to be replaced, replace them. Because it may save your life. <laughs> you know, my, my girl's over there and uh, I, I'm, we were bonded through trauma because we just started dating a few weeks earlier. And uh, so she lived there, and since her house burnt down, I'm, I'm blessed to have her and her dog live with me now. 
I love you, Trish. I love you, too. Okay, um, let's, uh, let's change it up a bit. Anybody ever watch that TV show, Deadliest Catch? Do you like it? Well, it's a bunch of crap, okay? I hope nobody from the Discovery Channel is here tonight. Anyways, uh, I'm going to tell you a poem called Deadliest Catch. Deadliest Catch. Deadliest Catch. It's a show on your television. Have you saw it yet? Oh, a million square miles. Unpredictable waters. It's those Highlander king crabbers, they're, they're making the dollars. And you know, they're getting rich. But it's not just their catch. It's the merchandise and the logos and all the side deals they fetch. You know, they're all over TV. Cash Cab, The View. You know, Sig was on Martha Stewart last week. He was making his mom's codhead stew. There was Phil, and there's Jonathan, and the rest of the crews. When they're not out fishing, they'll be in Dutch. They'll be toasting Phil with a brew. You know, it's that designer rain gear and those cowboy hats, smoking marb reds. That's where Edgar's at. Deadliest Catch. It's a show for all ages, and you can catch it on the Discovery Channel. It'll help pay those guys' wages. That's Deadliest Catch. As, as Joel said, I, I crab fished for 42 years. I, I fished with my father. And, uh, but now I work for Ocean Gold Seafoods, and I, I drive a, uh, in the summertime, I drive a, a big flatbed. It holds 10 totes. Each tote weighs 1,500 pounds, and I haul 15,000 pounds of hake across the street over to the cold storage. It's about a six-block round trip. Make about 20 trips a day, haul about 300,000 pounds a day. Yeah, I'll get to that, honey. And, uh, and in the wintertime, I, uh, I, my job even gets tougher. I, I drive a semi. Uh, across the street. It takes them about four hours to fill it, and uh, then they call me up, and I, I work from home now, and they say, Johnny, come down and move your truck. And I go down there, and I hop in the semi, and I drive it across the street, and spin it around, and back it into the bay, because I have a CDL, and I drive a big truck. <laughs> That's, it's a fun job. Anyway, so I've written some cannery poems, is what I'm getting to, and uh, I wrote this one called uh, Cat Food Express I'd like to share with you, if you'd like to hear that. Okay, Crabber went a trucking that morning. Oh, the docks, they were a mess. There was totes everywhere, full of unmarketable bycatch. You see, the sea clipper had caught a bunch of pollock, but it was too small to fillet. Marketing, they'd have to be creative to save the cannery's house that day. So a few phone calls were made, and a deal was soon signed. Perina Pep Foods in Nebraska would buy it, and it'd feed America's felines. So Crabber went a truckin'. <laughs> I think you know the rest. Soon he was driving the Cat Food Express. Yep, he hauled that cat food. He hauled it all day. They put it inside fiber totes into the freezer bay. The truckers, they sit idling at the loading dock. Soon they'll be heading to the heartland, the Midwest. They're waiting for the Crabber that went a truckin'. He's driving. The Cat Food Express. Can <laughs> I type one more? Okay. Um, now, Joel introduced me as the, the Gap Tooth Crabber, and as you might notice, uh, 
I'm missing a tooth in front of me here. Well, I'm going to tell him that story, okay? Just hush it, okay? Um, anyways, I have a flipper, but uh, on Wednesday, I put my flipper on the coffee table, and uh, when I came home from work, it was gone, and Cody was the only one there, so I'm pretty sure he ate it. Okay. Okay, anyway. Maybe I just lost it. I carved up his poop for the next two days looking for it, though. I'm telling you the truth. Okay, let's call Gap Tooth Grabber. And just imagine I have a tooth in here, okay, when I, when I start the poem. Those Gap Tooth Grabbers, that's what you always see. I take out my tooth. <laughs> well, I'm a Gap Tooth Grabber. What do you think of me? Okay, I put it back in. Well, everybody asked me, so John, how did that happen? Well, let me tell you the story, folks. It happened out crabbing. Oh, it was a beautiful day on the ocean. There was a brisk east wind. My buoys, they were, they were hanging off the beach. So I had to turn my boat in. Oh, the gear was a mess. A big swell had screwed us. But we were doing our best. Uh, there was just the two of us. The sun was in my eyes, and I spotted that buoy. I put her in the smoke hole and shouted, grab Louie. Throttled it back, and I grabbed that buoy. Yep, I hauled her aboard with all of my fury. Well, I put her in the block, and then I dropped my stick. You know that sound we got? It bounced off the rail, and it, it smacked me in the lip. Now Van, he usually grabs the stick. I guess he was busy. Oh, my mouth, it was a throb, and I was getting dizzy. But we hauled her aboard, and we baited her up. I thought I'd run inside the galley, you know, for a quick checkup. I looked in the mirror, and what did I see? It was that gap tooth grabber, and he was grinning back at me. Once again, folks, thank you so much for putting up with me and letting me do a couple extra poems tonight. Um, I really enjoy coming here. This is my 20th year at Fisher Poets. and uh, It's amazing how that time is flowing because it seems like just yesterday when John Broderick approached me at open mic and where I did a couple poems and said, come back next year. So thank you, John Broderick for having me come back. Thank you. Thank you. That was Fisher Poet John Branshaw, recorded at the 1015 Theater in Astoria, Oregon, on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. Well, that's it. This one's in the tote. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is written and produced by Brad Wartman. The theme music for this episode is courtesy of Mark Allen Lovewell and Molly Canole. If you'd like to appear on or have comments about the show, please send an email to thefisherpoetryarchive at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to haul the latest episodes into your net. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is available via our podcast host, Spotify, as well as Apple, Google, and Amazon. You can listen to our other podcast episodes, watch our YouTube videos, 
and join our community by going to thefisherpoetryarchive.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Come all young sailormen, listen to me. I'll sing you a song of the fish in the sea. Blow ye winds westerly, westerly blow. We're bound to the southern, so steady she goes. 